Welcome back to Enlighten Up for episode 38, Reading a Skeptic's Akashic Records, Past Lives and Higher Self Arguments with Maureen St. Germain. We've been waiting a couple months for this episode and it's finally here. Maureen is rejoining the Enlighten Up crew and she has going to be reading Brian's Akashic Records for you all today. It was an excellent reading, a really good experience, and despite it being Brian's records being read, we all gained a lot of insight and knowledge and understanding of past lives and our current life and how enmeshed they can be as well as separated. Many times we can't understand why things are the way they are in our life and having some insight into our past lives provides us with the more knowledge and understanding that some of the things that are going on now have nothing to do with now. And later on in the show, we're going to talk more about the higher self and those higher self arguments we tend to have. Is it really our higher self talking to us? How do we figure it out? How do we get the verification password to our higher self? Well, we're going to talk all about that later on in the show. So let's jump in and find out what the record keepers had to say for Brian's Akashic Records. Welcome back to Enlighten Up, everyone. We have a very fun show for you today. If you have been listening to the episodes, then you may be waiting for Brian's Akashic Records reading. And today is the day that we do that. And so I'm here with Brian. (laughs) I am here with Brian and Lisa. And unfortunately, Michael is not here with us today, which he is actually extremely upset about. He had an unforeseen work engagement that had him flying during this recording. And so he is sad to be missing this, but we have Lisa and we have Brian and we have Maureen St. Germain back to the show. Maureen, welcome back to Enlighten Up. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Well, we have been anticipating this show for two months and we're excited to to see what Brian's Akash has to say. Uh, but before we start, we you last time you were on the show, you were on your way to China, and I uh, was just wondering how everything's been. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, China was wonderful. I had huge classes and great success, and uh, I'm going back three more times this year. Um, so that's a very, uh, very powerful um opportunity to influence these amazing humans who have such a different way of looking at life than we do. And it's like a paradigm shift when I go there and teach. I'm actually very focused on the way they live their life and how they think, which is different than the way we think. Um, One of the really wonderful things is so many people in America have biases that are related to church beliefs that limit what they can consider as real or understandable. In China, they don't have those limits because they haven't had religion for such a long time. Now, I'm not teaching religion. I'm teaching spirituality. I'm teaching self-development. But they're open to whatever comes because they don't have any notions that someone has taught them is good to believe or not so they don't have it's interesting you say that because that was one of my biggest complaints or disappointments about 
China and the Chinese people, you know, living there for five years. Um, oh, I didn't know you lived there for five years. That's cool. I did. I did. I just moved back about a year ago. But what I noticed, and it wasn't just me, it was a lot of expats that I knew. We all came to similar conclusions. And I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit on, you know, on our show, specifically the golden rule, you know, right or wrong, however we learn it. But most people in this country learn that it's good to do nice things for people. And and, and I think my general experience is in America, anywhere I go, people are very nice and they're very helpful. Uh, but that is not the case in China. Um, and it's so interesting that a lot of people independently, we came to the same conclusion. It's like, well, they were never taught to be nice to other people. And they're only nice to one person, It's and it's themselves. They're, they're wonderful people, but in society, the, the societal part of China was disappointing. Interesting. You know, I um, one of my former students got a very clear message to reach out to me um, right before my first big trip to China and realized that I was going to be in Taiwan first. And then, you know, we chatted. And when he realized I was going to be in China, he wanted to come and see me. And at the end of his uh, time with me, I said, tell me a couple of things that I probably would need to know that I wouldn't have any idea about the Chinese people. <laughs> and he said, I'll tell you two things. Number one, the Chinese people lie. And <laughs> number two, um, what did he say? Uh, I'll have to think about what the second thing was. But then he went on to explain that in America and in the, in the West in particular, we have a ethics notion that telling the truth is important mm -hmm. and that it's valued and in china the value is placed on saving face exactly and so um in, in an example uh in a negotiation for example you know a couple of years later when i was you know negotiating i asked this very specific question about a partner and i was told oh yeah you know we're still working together blah 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 and I knew in my heart that that was not so, but I let it go. And then at the end, you know, when they wanted something for me, I said, you know, I am going to wait to give you that thing you're asking of me until we're further down the road. Because um, when I asked this, you told me that. Now I am at a place where I have to ask you to earn my trust. And see, that's the Chinese way. You must earn trust. You must earn the friendship. So I kind of used their way to help them understand. And then I went on to explain in my culture, when you don't speak the truth, it is perceived as manipulation and dishonesty and a reason to not negotiate with someone. And while I understand your culture and your system, because this has happened, I'm going to overlook it because I understand your culture, but now you must understand mine. If it happens again, I'm not working with you. Exactly. But I had to lay that out for them because they do not understand that because their simplistic way is such that if they had told me the truthful answer that I had asked them, it might discourage me from working with them. So rather than tell me the truth, they kind of hid it. 
And I can understand that. Think about a woman who has a husband that makes a lot of money, but he's always asking, what did she spend on that coat? Or what did that purse cost? Even though they might be, you know, very, very wealthy. So I remember this happening to me where one of his kids had this amazing coat that I so admired. And I said, you know, what, what, do you, what did that cost? Do you mind my asking? And she said, oh, no, I don't mind telling you, but don't tell my dad because I told him it was this price. <laughs> and it was the same thing because her father would have gone over the roof with it. And so it's a way to avoid a confrontation, avoid a big deal. So the, the, the cultural phenomenon of not telling the truth is very strong. And it's not understood why we hold telling the truth in such high regard. But Lisa has heard me say that a lot in my dealings. And even in my current business dealings, I still work in China. And she knows that the... I've seen it firsthand. The, the, yeah, she's also seen it firsthand with the Chinese people that I've worked with here in America. But the, uh, the biggest lying is, is the biggest word that I come back with. There, there are three words that I use to describe the Chinese people. Lisa, what are the three words that I use to describe Chinese people? Well, just that they that they're dishonest, that yes. they lie. Um, oh, I put her on the spot; she wasn't ready. Lie, cheat, steal, cheat and steal, steal. And, I was the and one. I, and I one. and I, <laughs> I actually hated, you know, coming to that conclusion. It's not the pe- an individual person. My close individual friends in China, they weren't. They didn't lie or cheat or steal, but. When you look like you were just saying, Maureen, when you look at that society as a whole, that's what it is. That that's the cornerstone of of, of China: lie, cheat, steal. But individual people are, are are wonderful, and hopefully they'll, you know, they'll evolve and well, see when you that it doesn't it work. Context. When you take it into the context of of survival of the fittest, because that you know, that country and that government was so oppressive, you can see why the old tradition of saving face and then the new tradition of not getting in trouble with the government would would override any um, other way of thinking. And then to understand that that thinking is done that way. And the other thing he told me, and I did remember it in that way, I said everything gets paid for twice. So if I need something from China, and you're going to help me get it, so I pay twice. You keep half, and then the other half goes for the product. Yeah. You know, you when you were just saying that about saving face and lying about how much a coat costs. The, the, the and word, all that. the word, by the way, sorry to interrupt, my love. The word is uh, guangxi. Guangxi. I know that. Guangxi. Guangxi. I like it. Um, yeah. The word. Uh, do you speak Chinese? A little, yes. Etian Tian. Aha. Well, in. Uh, Egypt, they call it bakshish, but even in Egypt, it's not as pervasive as yeah. There's in- nothing, nothing like the concept of face. And I described this to, to Lisa the first time, you know, one mm-hmm. of the first times we met and we started talking about China is like, this is what you're going to have to understand is what what face is all about. So I'm sorry, you were saying, Lisa. No, it's okay. It just re- it reminds me of things that go on here in America as well, um, where women I worked in. Um, retail for a while and in, in the credit division of retail and women lie to their husbands about how much money they've put on the credit card or how much something costs again because of that I think oppression fosters that 
you know, because you're, you you want to be yourself and you want to do the things that you want to do, but you know you're going to get beaten down for it, so you choose just to lie. Right. Oppression. Right. It's very true. And so the new way, and this is part of, you know, this whole, I'll use the word, coming out of everyone, is to be able to speak your truth without fear of reprisal. Um, and that's tricky. But, but that in itself helps people be more accurate channels of their wisdom, of their guidance, of the Akashic Records, whatever it is that they're choosing as a vehicle. Well, so, it'll be really interesting to see how the next couple of years play out in China since President Xi just abolished the limit on terms. Uh, he basically announced to the world that he's going to be president for life. So that is going the other way that the Chinese people want. And I know this, the Chinese people that were open and honest to me about individuality in a country like that. This is not what they want. Interesting. It will be interesting. I I, um, I feel like ultimately he will resign at some point. Hmm. Um, you know, speaking of your book in China and all that, when that's the one on the Akashic Records, correct? Oh, I have four books published in Chinese. Do you have those same books in English yet in America on the Akashic uh, Records? Uh, uh, all of the books are in English except for the book on the Akashic Records. And that's funny that you ask because that's the book I'm working on. It's due to the publisher on Thursday. So I'm oh, wow. Exciting. That's, a, that's the one we're wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Oh, yeah, so. I, it, the book was written obviously for the Chinese market. So now I'm, I, what I'm doing now is like, you know, adding elements that I know will be appropriate in English. Sure. If I'd written it in English for the English audience first, it might have been a different book. But it started out as a book for the Chinese market because I was so popular. They said we want to get another book out right away, and blah blah blah. So I did, and um, yeah. So I'm ex- I can't wait to read it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so speaking cool. of the uh, Akashic Records, uh, we've been really looking forward to what the Akash is going to tell us about Brian. And I don't, you know, he's got some questions and we just want to kind of ask you, Maureen, is it only going to be a conversation between you and Brian right now? Or if he chooses, if he wants help, does Lisa or myself jump in? Or do you want us to stay silent? Um, I think for the benefit of the audience, it would be best um, to handle it with just Brian. And that means don't be texting him, ask him (laughs) this, or any of that jazz. They already know you can do that, you see. So no telepathy either. (laughs) Curtain. You drop the curtain and you, you practice the integrity that we so aspire to. And then the other thing that the record keepers really wanted to emphasize uh, and remind me um, that I would, I would not be permitted to ever do this again. And the reason is I had, I had gone to the altar when I uh, began this work and said I was not interested in uh, working with people for entertainment purposes. So for example, if you were Queen Elizabeth in a past life and someone had told you that already, and now you're asking me, you know, was that true? But you don't have any real need to know and it's not related to your current life. 
I, I would come up completely blank because I sure. made a contract. I was not interested in a theater. I was interested in helping people evolve. Well, I have never uh, had my Akashic records read, so you can rest assured about that. And I, and I would also say this is meant to be educational. Right. I understand that. But because we're broadcasting it to your audience, I also want to respectfully um, remind myself, perhaps, of my own agreements so that I can keep my agreements with you and at the same time uh, support Brian and whatever this experience is going to be. And it'll be for everyone's highest and best good. And I'm claiming that for us. Great. Okay. Well, yeah, we totally understand. So, um, well, I'll let you guys take it away then. All right, cool. So Brian, you, you had a chance to read the preparation documents, I hope. I did indeed. Okay. So, you know, you're not going to have your legs crossed or your arms crossed. And, um, I have already, uh, opened your records. So I have a way now to just kind of tap into your energy. And I, um, have been taught by my own guides to start with what we call opening remarks and opening remarks are me just pulling information randomly for you. And, uh, it may or may not make sense. Sometimes it's metaphor, who knows? And I'm only saying this, uh, for the benefit of the audience, Brian already knows this because he read the docs that we send in preparation. So first of all, we will say to you that you do have a devotion to the Buddha and that there is something very special for you when you are in or near temples where there are Buddhas. Um, it feels, uh, it feels like you have a mastery there and there's no real need to like practice anything in terms of chanting or religion or whatever, but you are attracted to those environments and you have great reverence for them. And it gives you uh, comfort at the soul level when you're, in or near those um, icons. Let's see what else they have. Just a moment. Um, you also have uh, cleared the energy from your chakras. So you are able to feel and sense what's going on with people very easily. We use the chakras, a person uses the chakras for uh, energy read. So just like um, your GPS can read your face or your, your phone can read your face now, your chakras are reading people's energy. So there's times um, that you can feel what's going on and you practice that because the channel is clear. Some people feel things, but they don't act on them, but you do. And you don't act in an overt way. You're just comfortable uh, holding your uh, energy um, sealed, if you will, so that you're able to be present and the observer and aware when there's um, situations that are not a match for who you are. Um, we see that you're a very happy person and uh, are not afraid to take risks or challenge yourself. Just a moment. Um, you've also lived in your past in Middle Europe, and there's maybe some connection for you there. If you uh, have not yet traveled to that part of the world, you probably will. Uh, just to kind of, we will say, anchor in some of the mastery you've achieved there. 
you have um, acquired enough mastery in past lives that your um, uh, what's the word? It's kind of like having a dual citizenship. You can go where you want, do what you want. Um, so you don't feel limitation like some people do. Oh, I could never do that. That kind of thing doesn't, doesn't even cross your mind. Um, I'm still in opening remarks. Uh, you also have a very strong sense of order and you prefer <laughs> order over chaos and you're, uh, you're quite comfortable in environments that exude order. Um, and that's important to you. And we're ready for your questions. Well, um, that was, I mean, that, you know, I, spending so much time in China and I, and I, and I used to go to some of the, some of the temples and, and it's so, it's so weird to hear you, you know, to say something like that. And I feel so comfortable in them. And, and it was some of my best memories were in, uh, some of the temples in, in uh, Beijing. Um, my two main questions, um, one is personal and one is, is business. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say both of them. And you, you, you kind of already hit on one, actually. I'm in the opening remarks, um, about my ideas and, you know, I'm take, my ability to, to take chances or risks. Um, I've always had a lot of like really great ideas, new ideas, things that don't exist and, you know, inventing things, but I have not seen success in implementing those things. So I'm wondering, um, you know, what is keeping me from manifesting those ideas? Uh, the, the other big overarching question for me is about my current relationship with my daughter. Um, and, it, you know, what is the, the lesson that I'm supposed to learn from the current bad relationship that I, that I have with her? Okay. So first of all, her name is Kaya. And does she share your last name? She does. Okay. Just a moment. I'm going to tune to her first, and then I'll go back to the other thing. <clears throat> oh, she was an adversary in a previous lifetime. And because of your own spiritual mastery over time, you agreed to sponsor her. So um, what this means, just a moment, is that your job is not to be her teacher, nor is it to be her um, parent in the typical sense of parents telling kids what to do, even though <laughs> she's old enough to figure things out right now. Instead, your job is to love her anyway. So... Um, just a moment. She uh, needs only support. And this is not necessarily financial support. It is emotional support and 
availability. So whatever she has accused you of, whatever she holds out on you about, and you know what those subjects are, you um, are to write her a letter and say, I am available to you. I have always loved and cherished you. I know that I've disappointed you in this, in this area, whatever it is. And please know that I am always there for you. And then proceed to be uh, like more like a grandmother in that you only have support things to say. And initially that might take some time but consider that this was an adversary that you agreed to sponsor. That means the healing that she needs to do on herself will come. And as you continue to support her, now how do you support her emotionally if she doesn't even talk to you? And the answer is you send her a note here and there, you find out her email or you find out her snail mail and you just, you know, periodically write, you know what her birthday is and you send a birthday card Maybe if you're the kind of person who likes to send a present to your offspring, you would send a check and you don't expect anything in return. You simply do it because you know that you're a man of integrity and that's what a man such as you would do for their offspring. You will not receive anything in return from these gestures immediately. You will probably wait for or more years. And over the course of time of you just simply offering yourself as being interested in her life and what's going on and you're there for her will allow her to finally jump over the hurdle that she has created, making you her arch enemy. She came in knowing you were her arch enemy. So knowing that, what you have to do now is to prove to her that you are not. And one other thing, when you are finally speaking, and you, you would be wise to practice this phrase, and this goes really to all parents, but most certainly in your case, whenever she does tell you something about a problem or something that's going on in her world that she's worried about, you don't tell her what to do. You don't tell her what you did in that circumstance. You ask her, what are you going to do about it? Mm. What that does is allows her to hear your vote of confidence. Mm. It allows her to tune to whatever she knows in terms of her own upbringing and lean in on that and then you always end with I'm sure you'll make the right decision honey even if you hang up and pound your fists into the wall (laughs) (laughs) Um, you practice those phrases so that that's what rolls off your tongue when the window opens and it will and be patient and just remind yourself I'm a man of integrity this is what men of integrity do and I'm just going to do it Period. Um, So, but remember where it started was not in this lifetime. So it's nothing you have done or not done. 
your opportunity. Now, going back to um, the other thing with the business ideas, there's a number of things going on. <clears throat> number one, uh, you are an idea person. And um, you have the false notion that as an idea person, you ought to be able to take those ideas to fruition. And we say to you, no, you need to be part of a team where you are supported and they are supporting you. Mm -hmm. In this way, you will uh, manifest abundance. So it will never be you at the help, it will be you uh, in a court, if you were to say in a, uh, we're referring to a, um, a uh, royal court, like a king and a queen kind of a court, yeah. be the magician, you would be Merlin, you would not be the king. Hmm. You are to attract to yourself the king. And your generosity of ideas will turn the person that's ideally suited as a match for you into the ally you are seeking, and then it will move forward. So it's almost like you're a good number two person, but you're not meant to be the number one guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Why you haven't found your niche yet. In the world of business, there are many people who are looking for you. There are many people who are looking for someone with your skill set and your knowledge. But you have not understood that you don't have to be the leader of the pack to be successful and to be happy. And once you recognize, actually, I like being a number two. I don't want to be a number one. And that... And, and you really you really prefer that because it gives you more independence. When you're the number one, you're responsible for everything. When you're the Berlin, you're just like, you know, full of stuff that, that is needed. You know, the wisdom, the, you know, the same voice when everything's going off and it's some crazy, wacky thing. Because you're known as being willing to take risks, but that one's wacky, too crazy. They're going to respect it because... They know if it, if it were a reasonable risk, you would be interested. Because people who are risk takers aren't necessarily taking risks willy-nilly. They're constantly weighing things, and they have such a good view, a bigger picture view, that they can easily see the risks worth taking and the risks not. Not ever again. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I wanted to ask some other questions about, I guess, my spirituality and my unwillingness to, to open up. Obviously what, you know, what I've discovered with being around Lisa and Nicole, you know, and they, they give me a hard time about, um, I don't know. There, just, there seems to be something just keeping me from getting closer to, to my awakening. Um, is there anything, you know, my ego or my mind or emotions that are keeping me from understanding 
spirituality or, or some of these, you know, bigger ideas that I don't understand what's keeping me from opening up. We do not see the problem as you have defined it. Okay. We see a man of devotion in other lifetimes who chose to take up a more secular path. So, contrary to what um, Lisa might say to you, for example, you don't need it right now. And as you mature, it will fall into place. But it's, it's like if you spent many lives as a monk and devoted to tradition and uh, God, you might choose a more secular expression in order to understand why men do what men do. Because when you grow, for example, the Tibetan monks are often conscripted from their families, you know, in a, at a very young age. And then they spend their entire life in, in the monastery. They know nothing about real life. Um, you know, young women who became nuns, you know, in, in, the, in the last 20 years or 40 years, maybe is a better example, they, they went in the convent in high school. They didn't know what it was like to suffer from raising a family or be awake all night worrying about a child or have a fight with the spouse and wonder how we're going to work it out and all that stuff because their food is provided, their, their, you know, their housing is provided, and they're expected to pray, but that's very satisfying. And so where do they run into walls? And the answer is they don't. So it's hard to understand what the life of the secular person is. So we see that this was a decision you made that you wanted to be more into the secular life first before you would open up. So we do not see this as resistance or a problem. We would simply say the timing isn't there yet. As you shift and become more satisfied with who you are, you'll be wide open to this. Do I have a purpose for this lifetime? Well, we think all experience is purposeful. Does my soul have a purpose? We would say that your devotion wanted you to be able to positively impact the secular man by being one of them first. So you will actually, you've already started to attract a certain kind of person as a friend, for example. These friends are talking about these things and they're in your face about it. So you know that it's valid because your friends are not crazy and yet doesn't click for you yet. And the reason it doesn't click for you yet is because you haven't 
fully integrated who you are into your consciousness. And you will not choose that until this other part of your life feels more settled and you feel like you're one of them. We will give you another metaphor that will perhaps be easier to understand. If you your mission was to be a spy in a foreign country and you were to show up in the foreign country wearing their military uniform, presenting yourself as an officer, for example, you would take on the traits of that officer. You would have a very big cover so that you could ultimately influence a situation to change. That was your mission. That is your mission. So you're still undercover and you haven't figured out who you really are. Once that, once you do, then the rest of it will follow. Is, is there some other question that the record keepers see to, that I'm, that, you know, that I'm not seeing to ask that would help me? We think you have received a great deal of information here and we do not see resistance in your world at all from our vantage points. You're open and willing and ready. You certainly exposed yourself and your life to this wonderful audience and put yourself on the line. So for you, taking all this in and ruminating on it and allowing yourself to, ah, I get it. I need to tell people that I am an idea man and I want to be a number two. I don't want to be a number one. But that's going to change my MO in achieving what I wish to achieve. You are not burdened like many, so you are much freer than many. And that's why this will all fall into place once you decide, if you agree with this information, that you want to own it. Once you own it, there's going to be a certain satisfaction at just accepting that. And that will lead to the matches you need. We, we're not talking about lighting matches, but a match for yes. you, the work environment, that will make both you and your uh, future business partners, employers, whatever you would call them, delighted to have you as part of their team. Okay. And we, we propose that you claim that, that my next work environment, my, no, not next, my work environment is deeply satisfying and my peeps are delighted that I am with them. And you'll attract more of that. Now about the question, are you asking or missing any questions? We would say, no, we think we answered that already, but just to be very specific, we think you've asked powerful, useful questions that we see, you see. Ha <laughs> ha. Can, 
Great sense of humor. Right. <laughs> um, can can I can I ask more questions? Certainly. Um, do you, do you see anything about my uh, planetary origins? You come from beyond this solar system, and so Maureen, and it's not something that's known yet. It's not been seen or identified. So it's a very centered, unbiased place. So it's from beyond the sun that is known and the star systems that are known. So you came, we will say, more directly to Earth as a devotional being. And as a devotional being, made up your mind you wanted to have this secular experience and were given that privilege. How many lifetimes have I lived? Is that a question I can ask? More than 80 that we can see at this vantage point. My uh, my my beautiful wife Lisa is there. Uh, I don't know what the question is. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, does she share your last name? No, she does not. She yeah. kept her last name Watson. Okay, just a minute. Let me tune to her first. The record keeper says she seeks to console you. What is? Do you have a question? I, I, there's, there's nothing on, on my, the, the tip of my tongue. I just, you know, we, we've, we feel connected, um, so, so strongly through, you know, through boundaries of time. We feel, you know, very connected and. Yeah, we can uh, see that. Yeah, she came from way beyond as well. So you've been together. You share the same lineage, you will say. Do we share a same purpose now? The record keepers say that she came, she seeks to console you. So her purpose is to support you in, in that way, to console you. And she has her own purpose, of course, but sure. in terms of you, her soul seeks to to console you it's very interesting the word they choose they didn't say yeah. yeah so so you must take that in and you know roll that around in your brain and see what else that could mean yeah any other questions you want to ask i i cannot think of any other uh questions to, to, to ask. No, I, I wonder if this is a, a chance to, for us to dialogue about it. I don't know if that's, if we close the records and close the records and then, yeah, have a conversation. That'll be a lot of fun. We, yeah. think, we think you will enjoy that. We think the, your, um, 
your social media partners are going to be thrilled to have this opportunity. So we'll go ahead and close the records. The records are now closed. And I wish to say thank you. And um, I am deeply honored. I felt your soul. <laughs> wow. Thank you. So, ladies, you now can have the floor. <laughs> <laughs> that was powerful. It really was beautiful. I'm curious, Brian, as a skeptic and having mm. your Akash re records, Akashic records read for the first time, what is your experience with it? Oh, gosh. You know, as a skeptic, I just, I mean, I just, I sat here and I tried to kind of be contemplative um, and open-minded about the information. You know, obviously a lot of it really made sense and, and struck home with me and, you know, I can, I can, I can really understand it. Um, you know, at the same time, it's hard to understand. It's, <laughs> I hope you guys made a recording. <laughs> it's, it's oh yeah. Just, it's just, it's, you know, it's not something my rational mind, you know, because I, you know, if I chose to be in this life and, you know, experience something, it's, it's very interesting to hear that, you know, I've, I've lived a very spiritual life and, and I chose to, to, to be in this moment and I don't want to experience that. You know, it obviously makes sense and it clicks with a lot of uh, the conversations we've had, uh, you know, but that's, that's also part of the point, you know, I mean, if, if that's, if that's true, if that's real, obviously, you know, my resistance to some of these things are, you know, that's an Makes important, sense. that's an important part of the growth. When yeah. you're ready. I thought it was very interesting that the record keepers gave you a reframe to one of your questions because you were labeling it one way and they said, we do not see it that way. And I don't remember now what it was they said. I just remember them saying, no, we don't see it that way. We see it this way. Yeah, it was yeah. about him thinking that he's being resistant to spirituality, but that's right. not the, what they said. Aha. Uh -huh. But he's just not ready yet. He's still living out his mission as to just learn. a normal, secular guy. Uh, and that's so and interesting to me. That is such an interesting perspective because it makes so much sense that, of course, you know, we come to this planet to have experiences that we're not used to having. And it makes sense that if Brian in past lives was such a devotional being, as they say, that it would make sense that he wouldn't want that right now. And he didn't need, he doesn't need it. That's yeah. the important thing that, that was very clear to me. It's like, you know, um, it's kind of like uh, someone who has, I don't know, maybe been a figure skating champion or something like that. You know, the Olympics are on my mind. So, you know, something like that, you've done it, you've done it, you've done it. And now you're, now you're a successful speaker and you're talking about motivation. You don't really need to get on your, you don't need to put your skates on anymore. You're happy with your new opportunity and your new experience. Yeah, and, interesting. and the other thing that I felt was the mastery. In other words, you're not just the average guy. You have very high standards. You're very high morals. You're very high integrity. I mean, that's what I felt in the records. I don't know if this is true, but this is me, you know, as the observer looking at this 
And again, it's so interesting to me because I don't remember exactly what they said, but I remember how it felt to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so if you have all these uh, qualities of a really class guy, you don't need spirituality. You know, the rest of us have to catch up. And I'm, I'm kind of playing with that. But do you see what I mean? I do. And, and they said something very interesting that really struck with me. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on it, Lisa and Brian, that you are, that you came in to be in the secular world. So a secular man, but to show, to influence positively on the secular men. And I feel like within some of our friend groups, the, the men speak so highly of you like they just they always say we love Brian we love Brian that's what they always say and I feel like you're already making that impact at least within our friend group with some of the men that probably could use some of that positive influence that's cool that's- you know it makes it makes me think we just Lisa and I just had a doctor appointment today with a, a naturopath doctor and when she first met us, not this, not today, but several months ago, and she has some sort of spirituality connection as well. I forget, I forget what her uh, background is, but she said she felt the same thing, you know, that she saw mastery some sort of mastery power. in my, you know, past life. And, and also that I was, um, to be a, like a teacher of men, divine how, feminine about how to so be a, help, how to be a man, help to, to bring the divine, be a man, yeah. help. Yeah. Help men to be men and to bring that divine feminine into the male. She felt like that was one of his roles, you know, and I think, you know, to answer your question, Nicole, as far as how I heard that, you know, I think just because of the amount of integrity that, that Brian has and thoughtfulness and, you know, that that is the example that he's setting for, for men, you know, in this role, that he's, he's just a really, he's a great role model as a, as a man and as a person. Yeah, I agree. He's very much so. That's cool. And, and being the skeptic actually empowers you because you're not a pushover. No, I'm not at all. No, he's very, you know, and I think that's one of the things that's very attractive about Brian, you know, that even the other men notice the quality and that he's, he has a very feminine side as far as, you know, he's always looking out for everybody. He's very courteous, um, you know, is paying attention to everything and notices if people need things and he's the first one to get up and, and, and get it for someone. But at the same time, he's not a pushover. He's his own man. He has very strong opinions and views and he likes things done in a certain specific way. Well, I'll tell you the one the one thing when, when you're in the opening remarks that was just described me to a T is the word Order. logic. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, you guys talked over each other. Say it again. The one thing that described you to a T was what? Logic, logical and, and, and orderly and sure. environment. Okay. Um, and that, I mean, that is absolutely 110% who I am. And I think when, when I think about, you know, the conversations that we have where I, that make me the skeptic is it's, I think about it, well, it's not logical. These things don't, 
you know, when I put all the data in, the answer is, you know, it's here's what logic dictates. And it's not these things that I so, you know, apt, I'm so apt to label as a conspiracy theory. That's funny. Well, you know, I, I really like logic myself. And um, my manifestation book was written with logic in mind so that the person with a really logical way of looking at things would be able to see it. And because I worked in the corporate world for a long time while I was teaching and, you know, beginning my work, my spiritual work, one day I laid on the grass and I had been meditating on this subject, you know, what is the logical reason to follow your intuition? And I knew that there had to be an answer. And I just kept asking, you know, month after month after month. So I lay on the grass one day and the answer came flooding in and I'm laying on the grass with my group, you know, I'm the one who's on, on the grass. Everybody else is in lawn chairs or whatever. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed for like five minutes before I could tell people what I, what I got. Mm-hmm. And what I was shown is that the logical reason for your intuition or your higher self connection, or maybe even the Akashic records is it's like watching a movie on a local television station and you get an interrupt from the weatherman or weatherwoman who says, uh, you know, hailstorm, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so you right. need to close your windows or pull your car in the garage or whatever. And it is the update on the, on the situation normal that comes in. And that's why you should pay attention to it because it's the same kind of thing you would pay attention to from the weatherman. It wasn't looking like that kind of weather was coming. Nobody saw it coming and yet it did. Uh, So here's a quick update. And it's like, that's the reason to follow your guidance is situation normal update on how things have changed from what you thought was the next thing. That intuition, that gut feeling all of a sudden, like, this doesn't sound logical, but I think I should, I just don't think I should go to this doctor's appointment today, and I don't know why. Right. So it's, that's the weatherman cutting in saying, because there's going to be a hailstorm. Yeah, or, or, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, like, one time, when, when my kids were younger, and I was in the corporate world, and I was working a lot, and I was on my way home, and I would create these menus. So every single day, when I would come home, I would look at the menu and make the meal because I didn't want to have to think about it. And when I would make the menus, then I would do the grocery shopping. So I had this all organized. And on my way home, I get a message: stop at the grocery store. No, I don't want to stop at the grocery. Stop at the grocery store. No, I don't want to stop. Okay, fine. So I go in the grocery store. What am I here for? Because you could be there to meet someone. It doesn't mean that you're buying food. Buy tuna fish. I don't need tuna fish. Are you having tuna fish casserole? Yes, I am. Then buy tuna fish. I don't need tuna fish. Buy tuna fish. Okay, fine. So I buy the tuna fish. I get home, and there is no tuna fish in my cupboard, even though I had just bought some. You know, and uh, maybe a week or so later when I'm helping one of my kids clean out their bedroom, there is an empty tuna fish can under the bed. And I realized that they probably had some, and maybe the kitty had some. You know, who knows? But that was fun, and that was cool. And, of course, I train people how to really get so clear that you could have an argument with your higher self and still (laughs) act out appropriately. (laughs) Lisa Lisa needs to have direct conversations with her higher self. That's for sure. (laughs) I do get those messages. Usually it's in the grocery store, too. And then sometimes I 
I have that argument and I say, no, I don't need to go down that aisle. And I get you should go down that aisle and you probably need, you know, baggies or whatever. I'm like, no, I have some. And then I get home and I make something and I go to reach and they're, they aren't there. And I have, that has happened to me so many times. And I say, next time I get this feeling that I should just buy something in the grocery store, I am going to buy it. Oh my God. Whether- it happened to me last week. I was like <laughs> making, I was making a, a I was going to make my lentils, my doll. And I'm like, oh yeah, I need red lentils. And then I was like, no, no, no. I know I've got a ton in the cupboard. And then I heard no red lentils. Don't forget the red lentils. And I'm like, no, I don't think I really need them. And I was about to walk over to them. I said, no, I'm, I'm positive. I have, of course I didn't, I had some, but not enough for my recipe. (laughs) Okay. So you guys have, you guys are so in tune to that higher self, but then when you actually have the conversation with the higher self, you, you fight it off. Cause we're human. (laughs) You nailed them. That is so funny. So now the challenge is up next time. When you guys are on the radio, you got to share, okay, this week I got told this and this is what happened and I did it and take it the other way. You've spent a year of denial now, spent a year of proactive. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of getting the message to buy the red lentils if you don't listen? Okay. When I don't need to connect with my higher self because you guys are connected to your higher self and you've, nah, leave me alone. <laughs> and I think you are too, but you don't, I think the thing is that you don't always know or believe that it's your higher self talking to you because we're not taught to to do that. And I'm talking about this has been going on for me for the past 25, 30 years. This isn't just something new that's happened. So sometimes I think it's just a random thought and I'm not understanding that it's my higher self that I'm connected oh, to. So, no, I hate to interrupt that part, but that's the thing. That's another thing I did. I developed with my higher self a very logical set of steps to follow to connect with your higher self so So you know you mean so you know it's actually them that you're having a thought conversation with that's right right like a like your verification like what's your password higher self (laughs) exactly exactly and what's so cool is you start out for six weeks practicing on stuff you don't care about and you're not allowed to care. So if you if you don't get an answer right away, you make a decision. You don't keep trying because that's caring too much. You don't ask about stuff that's important. You don't ask about stuff that's, you know, like somebody's waiting for me. You ask about stuff you don't care about. You're sitting, like sitting in a restaurant. Groceries. Groceries. What are you gonna order for a meal in a restaurant? Should I wear the brown shoes or the red shoes? Um, like that. And well, but don't women care about that particular question? But it's not that important. <laughs> and, you know, Ryan, that's a really funny question because one time after teaching this in class, one of the women walked in the next day with this very odd combination of clothing and <laughs> And one of the women gave her one of those looks. You know, we women do that. We give each other these looks, you know, like, well, that's interesting. And she caught it. And she, she kind of pointed the finger at that woman and she said, don't even ask. My higher self dressed me today. <laughs> <laughs> you need a shirt that says that on your on Oh, your oh my God, that is a shirt. That, that's my higher perfect. self dressed me today. My higher self dressed me today. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, call, call that the line of clothing and it's all mismatched socks and stuff. <laughs> now, just so anybody wants to know, page 19... Um, oh, no, is it 19? No, it's not. It's like page 10, I think. 
in the book. I remember reading that. Yeah. Ask your higher yeah. self. Uh, and, and it's a protocol. Um, uh, let's see, where is it? Page 16. It's a protocol in the, it's in all, every one of my books because it's that important. And the protocol will give you accuracy. And it is so freaking awesome. I've been saved from car accidents. I was told to go home before 9-11. I was in New York City the day before. Um, I could go on and on and on. It's just amazing. But that's because, as you say, I, you know, I asked for the password. I asked for the yes signal. And it, when I get a piece of information that I don't like or I don't want to do, I verify. Is this my higher self telling me blah, blah, blah? And only your higher self is allowed to answer yes. And that's the cool thing. That's cosmic law. But, you know, and it's a very logical system because you practice, practice, practice. And you get to the point where you could be in a very challenging situation and be able to ask your higher self, what am I to do? Am I to do this? No. Am I to do this? Yes. Boom. You do it. I'm going to practice that before my birthday in May. So that's going to be... Uh, That's going to be my birthday gift to me to <laughs> to to get the verification to get the password, password to my to my higher self. <laughs> okay, so you know, take the protocol, and um, if you want, I'll send you the long version. Um, give me your send text me a address, and I will send you the book that's got the very detailed version, and that's called Beyond the Flower of Life. So each of the books have varying versions of this protocol, but the most detailed one is in the very first book called. Um, beyond the flower of life and since your birthday's coming up i'll give you one other tidbit before we run out of time and that is for your birthday you can ask the ascended masters your angels and guides whoever you work with for your presence and i figured out early on that i talk about my birthday six months in advance you're already talking about your birthday and it's in may so Every time you hear a comment about your birthday, either from you or from someone else, you use that as an opportunity to claim your presence. Because I decided that if your birthday is the holiest day of the year, and it is, then there's going to be so many presents that I couldn't possibly open them all on my birthday. So why not start early and start claiming your presence? And there's a whole blog post on this. So if you Google my name, Maureen St. Germain, and birthdays, you'll find it. And... Um, one of the other things is I tell people don't specify anything in particular, but ask more about, you know, what do I need like that? You certainly could ask for one thing. And there's a very funny story. I'm not going to tell it in that blog post about something I did that was absolutely hilarious, but you get to read the post. Okay. We can put a, a link to that blog post in the oh, show notes. Okay. We certainly could. Yeah. I'll definitely. Cool. Yes. And when's your birthday in May? May 6th. Very cool. Mm -hmm. One of my kids has that birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what a coincidence, right, Brian? <laughs> it is a coincidence. What else would it be? That's right. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. It just well, that was great information. Yeah. I mean, I really I really enjoyed that. And, and the part about Brian's daughter, since it's been such a – yeah, that was fascinating. You know, it, it is fascinating. And and I, and I remember, it's funny, um, I remember when the record was showing me, you know, like when they turn to that page, if you will, and they turn to that record, did you hear me groan? I went, oh. Yes. And that was because I could see she, she maybe he at that time, was your arch enemy. I went, whoa. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So they were arch what? enemies in a prior life. 
Huh? No wonder she doesn't trust you. I wouldn't either. <laughs> I'm saying that because I can already tell who you are, and I know you wouldn't take offense at that. Yeah, I would never say that otherwise. So interesting. Um, it helps. You know, this type of information really helps to, I don't know, sort of de detach from the the seriousness of this life. Sometimes for me, when I hear, you know, you've been, you know, so many other things in in a life, like. You know, maybe you were a monk or a king or... Yeah, but I've been the same thing for 80 lifetimes. How boring. <laughs> well, I'm stretching what they said, and I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she knows. But, but I want you guys to know, I feel like I'm part of your family, and it's so cool. It feels like we're having this, you know, after-dinner conversation that, you know, just kind of takes off. It's very no, cool. Where's the wine? <laughs> but it's just nice to know that it, you know it, it helps you detach a little from from just taking everything so seriously maybe what you achieved or you haven't achieved some of those ego things and just you know and and bringing it back down to this life is about an experience and whether it's an experience of just being a, a regular guy or an experience of being a king or an experience of being I don't know, any, just anything. It's all just an experience, and they're all as valuable as anybody else's experience. I heard what you said in a completely different way, and it's like the ultimate in procrastination. I, I'll, I'll just do that in my next lifetime. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, well, I'm curious to ask you, Brian. Uh, uh, that's very interesting. I didn't get it that way. What I got was that... Um, and, and allow me to, you know, put my spin on it, if you will. You love, in those lifetimes, you loved God so much. There was never any desire to do anything but to be in a state of constant prayer. And at a certain point when you realized, I'll call it the wickedness of men, and that's an extreme word, you thought that you might be able to make a difference. So you chose to become one of the men without religion, without belief mm -hmm. systems, and still live a life of integrity and be that mm -hmm. example. Don't you Leading by example. Don't you find that interesting, Brian, that you've called yourself an atheist in this lifetime? I've never called myself an atheist. I've only ever called myself a Christian. But you said you don't believe in God at some point. I say I'm currently unaffiliated. <laughs> well, and yeah, and, and even if you even if a person said I don't believe in God, does not mean they are an atheist. Yes, I've never. I'm. Yeah, I've never said I was an atheist. But either I, way, and I don't, and I don't feel like an atheist. I feel lost in the wilderness. And I think that's such Christian an interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's such an interesting position to be in considering all the other positions you were in prior no because think about this if he lived in this sec sacred environment the secular world you know making a living providing for a family raising a family having a spouse these are all things that are not done typically in a monastery so you wouldn't have experience so you know the word the phrase lost in the wilderness to me makes perfect sense and it also seems a little overkill because it's more like well of course i can't speak chinese i never learned it 
I think you. Sorry, I. I must. I think I may be mis um, communicating what I'm. What I'm. What I'm trying to say is okay. that I actually find it fascinating. I think it's really cool that he was so devotional. But then it makes so so much sense that in this lifetime he chose the secular path, and that he's had times where he's questioned God. And I just find that so fascinating that. But, we but can no, Brian speak for himself. I don't think, and I'm going to jump in and speak for him. And then Brian, you should correct me. I don't think he has questioned God. I think he's questioned men and the interpretation of God and how religions have created layers. No, uh, I am going to, I am going to correct you. I have directly questioned God. I, uh, I was actually raised in the church with a strong faith. I was actually president of congregation for a while um, after I graduated college, um, raised my child to be very faithful. And then something happened that made me very strongly question the existence of God. And that's, to be honest, I mean, only a relatively recent thing within the last, I would say, eight years, eight to 10 years. And it's what I'm in the middle of right now is that total disbelief and I just don't see it. Lost in the wilderness. Lost in the wilderness and it doesn't it doesn't fit my logical test. And that's to me razor. so fascinating that we have the opportunity to come in and veil all our past experiences in other lifetimes to fully experience the one that we're choosing for this lifetime. That's yeah. what I find so fascinating about it. It is fascinating because some things we seem to bring along with us. Yeah, that's... You know, things that we learn in other lives yeah, and experiences. boggling And other things we seem to just completely block out so we can have a totally different experience. I yeah. couldn't have said it better. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And, and Brian, does it give you a sense of ease now about what's going on between you and your daughter? Like trying to make sense of it? Well, okay. So the bottom line is nothing Maureen said can be proven. Okay. <laughs> skeptic so, comes out. So that's the logical test that, that I'm faced with. Now, everything she said when she read the record made total sense. A lot of it hit home. Yes, what she said about, or what they said about the, uh, you know, what, what I need to do with my daughter. It's what I've heard from two other people, you know, so it's, it's being reinforced. So yes, it makes a lot of sense and I can understand it, but it doesn't open my eyes anymore. But does what Nicole asked was, does it ease your mind at all about, you know, well, I mean, the reason that that you think your daughter isn't speaking to you really doesn't have a whole lot to do with her. It actually has to do with your ex-wife. And Right. That's what my, when I just look at what I am seeing here on earth, yes, that's what it seems like. Um, but to see that she's carrying some baggage. Um, but maybe she needed her mother to do what her mother's doing in order for that to, to kind of it. make yeah, sense I mean, or whatever. So. Yeah. And there can be a, what if this and what if that, and he said, she said, and yeah, you can, you can, talk around a circle and, and, and make it make sense. But I will it's... say this. You never told Maureen 
that you and her, your daughter, were not talking. And they no, said, no, I, and they I said that, that in the that, records. That she actually said that. I, I remember feeling, wow, yeah, no, I never said said that. So that's something. To me, like that's something that should go on the list of checking, like moving towards provable. <laughs> well, but we've also talked about it openly on the podcast. I don't listen to your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. And, and not not because it's not awesome. Because, like I said, I feel like I'm part of your family. It feels really amazing. But mostly because I'm I'm super occupied with writing and teaching and blah 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 and other yeah yeah and, yeah. and that's yeah, what no, I suspected. I, you're, you're right. You're right, Nicole. I mean, I was I was surprised at that particular moment so well maureen thank you so much that was a very enlightening show i i definitely even though it was for brian like i got so much out of it myself and oh definitely i'm definitely gonna do the birthday thing (laughs) yeah thanks thanks so much maureen for for doing that and you know using me as a or allowing our show to use me as a, as a, as a guinea pig, but I was uh, very open to it and I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm, I'm grateful you were so open, but I'm also so grateful that you're not, um, I'll, I'll say, you know, card carrying member of our club (laughs) vantage point because it makes it, uh, you know, I don't want to, I mean, for this kind of opportunity that we were given, by you guys in the first place we want it to be really authentic and that's one of the ways that it can be because you aren't gonna just i'll use the word roll over oh yeah that's really awesome you know right makes it it makes everything i mean the very fact you guys have a show where you have a skeptic or a resident skeptic is is like it's more real and you know it brings me back to when i was a ceo of an uh, international nonprofit. And, you know, I tend to be very optimistic. That's my nature. And one day, you know, a board member said to me, you know, you only tell us the good stuff. We don't hear any of the bad stuff. And I want to know the downside of some of these things that you want us to do. And it never had occurred to me that they would need to hear that. And so from that, vantage, from that point forward, I always said, these are the pros and these are the cons of, you know, any idea I would present. So that's what makes your show special is your willingness to have somebody, you know, we'll wait just a minute here, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think that's very, very cool. It makes it more real than just, you know, everyone being a member of the club, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, Maureen, um, you, okay. So for our audience who's listening, uh, we're going to put all the links that you you t- spoke about in the show in our description. But if do you do personal Akashic records? Like if our audience wants to reach out to you to get a reading done, uh, is that available? Do you still do that? Or are you only teaching people how to read their Akashic records? No, I still do private sessions. Okay, so and if they want to do that, they just uh, can go to your website and um, email? Yeah, my website um, has a link so that they can um, have pick out a session and pick out the time and um, set it up. You know, the um, the 
the website is, is uh, makes it easy so you can even, you know, find a time in your own schedule. I am very heavily booked. So there are cycles when you can get in right away and there are other cycles that you have to wait a month. So, you know, just has to see. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and thanks for, I guess, bending your rules for us. I, I, um, we didn't intend for it to be that way, but we appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Me neither. I think it was like, you know, this was okay. Because when when you guys first proposed it, I did check in and ask ask guidance and God, yeah. And it it was so cool that it it rolled out the way it did. I'm very grateful. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And we wish you so much more success in everything you're doing. And we can't wait for your Akashic English book to come out on on the stands. So we're looking forward to when that finally gets out. And good luck with... Uh, all of your new endeavors. We really appreciate having you on here again. Yes, thank you. And I love being on the show. So, you know, it's like you can call on me when you you want. Um, And send me the link and I'll put it on my website as well. Okay, great. Great, thanks. Thanks Thanks so much. much. All right, everyone. And to our... To our audience, uh, if you have any show topics or ideas that you'd like us to talk about, or have any questions that you'd like to bring us that you'd like us to bring up on the show, please send them into our info or our email at info at enlightenup.us, and uh, we will be back with you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.